Well, like I said, we've been talking about the new wineskin, that we need to be moldable and ready for the new wine, for God to pour out whatever he wants to pour out. Um, and in that, we've been discussing this new idea of church, um, shifting into going from the traditional idea of what church has looked like um, from just a, a service-driven mentality into what we are referring to as the apostolic church. And over the past couple of years, <clears throat> um, the terminology apostolic center uh, um, has been thrown out there and, and all these kind of things. But um, the more and more I pray about an apostolic church, I think is really what best defines what we're walking into. And so I really want to start uh, really defining what that looks like. We're not going to get deep, deep into it um, tonight, but I, I do want to kind of scratch the surface of that. So I want to start out by talking about a parable that Jesus explains. And um, we're shifting out of that, out of that new wineskin book. The, uh, the author, Harold Eberly, um, has been talking um, in, in some of his conferences that God's given him new, new revelation and that he's actually about to rewrite that book because of some of it's just kind of outdated and he's realized that he had the revelation of a new wineskin for the apostolic church back then, but he's realizing he, he got some things wrong out of it. Um, and there's a new author, um, I, his name is, um, I, for, I forget how to pronounce it, but he's a um, Canadian guy actually, and um, I've been reading his book, it's called Apostolic Centers, and it's, it's just ridiculous, and um, it's very, very good, and a lot of the teachings um, that I'm going to be going into, I've been pulling a little bit out of his, out of his book, so um, I'll bring that next week to show y'all what it is, but in um. I want to read this, this passage out of Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24. This is the parable of the wheat and the tares. Very popular parable. But um, there's something that, that's in it that I thought was pretty cool that I hadn't necessarily seen before. <clears throat> Sorry about the cough. <clears throat> it's not COVID. <clears throat> it says, starting in verse 24, here is another story that Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. How many of you have heard this parable before? Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Now, in Matthew 13, you'll actually see three parables about uh, wheat and seeds and all these type of things. It's really about seeds. Um, this is the second parable. You'll see one parable, then the wheat and the tares, and then a third parable about seeds. And then, skipping that parable, going down a few verses to, to, to verse 36, it says that Jesus leaves the crowds... He goes back to his disciples and he explains the parable of the wheat and the tares. 
And this is what he says, verse 36. Leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us that story of the weeds in the field. So Jesus replied, the son of man, who is that? Jesus, is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is in the world, and the harvesters are the angels. I love this because it's very clear Jesus is describing the meaning of a parable to the crowds to the disciples. And then he says this, Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels. They will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. All of that because there's an end goal. That the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. That is the ultimate goal. To enter into full maturity, shining like the sun in the Father's kingdom. That is the goal of the kingdom of, of, the, of Jesus sowing seeds in the earth of the people of God. That the seeds, that is who? Who are the seeds? Us. The goal is for us to grow into full maturity to shine like who? To shine like the sun in the Father's kingdom. Okay? The seeds are the sons of the kingdom, are the sons and daughters of the kingdom. And if we are to walk into our purpose, to walk into that goal of shining as bright as the purpose of the Father, shine as bright as the sun, it's a picture of saying we have to grow into maturity. He's saying this whole parable is basically saying this. Jesus puts seeds in the earth, the sons and daughters of, of God, and as we grow, we're going to grow among people who aren't growing. We're going to grow among things that aren't growing. There's going to be people that embrace me. There's going to be people that deny me. There's going to be people who want to walk with me. There's going to be people who reject me. And the way I want you to grow is I'm not going to separate you from those who reject me. I'm not going to separate you from those who embrace evil. I'm going to allow you to be among them in the earth. And while you are among them, I want you to grow into mature sons and daughters. And in this parable, mature sons and daughters are the wheat and the ones of evil is the weeds or the tares. Does it make sense? So, what the church has defined as maturity is everyone gets saved. 
So we've built the church based off of come experience God so that you can get saved every weekend, right? That's what the church has become. Or come experience God so you can get the spiritual high. Because we pick on community church and we pick on um, churches that are hyper-grace focused, but let's talk about the hyper-spiritual focus. Because it's really easy to talk about salvation, salvation, salvation. But then you got the other side of the plate where church has become, well, the, the spiritually mature people are the ones who are all about the gifts. But then they forget the point of gifts is for service and not for self-glorification. And we become obsessed with, look how much I can do. And when it's become about how much you can do, you've realized that you're not doing a thing, <laughs> Right? So the church has defined maturity wrong. It's become let's get everyone saved and the weeds are people who are not saved and the weed are the ones who proclaim salvation or the wheat are the ones who are saved and now we're going to see how much we can operate in the church in our salvation but never do anything outside the church. It's, it's just this wrong system of maturity. It's, it's, it's either bring them in and get them saved or it's bring them in and keep them in and never do anything out. That's what the church has become. And while we're keeping everything in-house, whether it be focused on salvation or focused on grow the gift, everyone outside in the church, they're lost and we're wondering why the world is exalting themselves in opinions that are to us ridiculous. You know, we're at a place in 2020 where people think it's a good idea to kill babies. People think it's a good idea to um, let eight-year-olds decide their gender. People think it's a good idea. All this stuff that's completely against the Bible, and we're wondering why, oh my gosh, I can't believe our world is having these opinions, and I, I can't believe that we live in a society where people are choosing all these sins. They don't know it's sin. Darkness is called darkness not because they're choosing evil, but because they're not, they're not maturing into wheat, they're maturing into tares. Because they simply do not know, because there is no maturing into light of the ones who know God. They're simply building a system of, we know God and we're doing nothing with it. We just exalt ourselves in the idea that we love God. Are you following me? <clears throat> and the thing that separates us is the church is full of seeds that all look the same and no one can tell where anyone's at. So we start to come up with this connotation of, well, don't judge people. And then when we say this, this, with this false doctrine of don't judge people, because the Bible doesn't say don't judge people. It says remove the speck from your own eyes so that you can judge people. But if you ever look on Facebook for five minutes, there's a Christian always saying don't judge people. That's not what the Bible says, right? But what happens is we're creating this doctrine in the church where we're so scared to get real in order to grow in our maturity that we've created this Thing called a safe place where no one's challenged and 
the church has become more of a place to keep you in your current condition, which is essentially pastoring, caring for you where you're at, right? And there's nothing to take you into a deeper level. That's pretty much the church. I mean, you think about what Jesus came into the, the, the church of, of, of the day then and even the church of today. Like, think about the Catholic church, for instance, or uh, any, any church denomination for real, but, excuse me, the Catholic church is a very easy one to look at. Confessional. No need to change, just confess your sins. That's pretty much what the altar call has become. I'm not speaking against the altar call. True altar calls are incredible. I'm still learning how to do that. Uh, I'm not good at it. I believe that God is bringing people here who are going to school me in it, that I'm just going to be able to say, you take over after my sermon's done. Because I've I've never seen it done right, and I don't want to do it wrong, right? But what altar calls have become is come talk to God because you feel bad, and come back next week and do it again. And ask for deliverance. And then come back next week and ask for deliverance again. And come say you're sorry. But don't change because next week you can say you're sorry again. Right? That, that's what church has become. It's a sustaining system of God I'm sorry. God I'm sorry. God I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm in my current state. God thank you for your grace because you know I suck. God, thank you for your grace because I'm horrible. God, thank you for your grace. And and then we have this parable where Jesus is like, the whole point of me putting you here is for you to grow into maturity, for you to shine as bright as you possibly can. Not for you to just come into a system called church where all you do is come before me admitting how bad you are. And we've come to a place where we've understood what it means to get people saved with the evangelical gift and to sustain people with the pastoral gift. But now we're walking into this whole fivefold thing that people are scared of. And I'm not going to get into fivefold talk tonight because I think if... If we've done anything good in the past year and a half, everyone understands at this church now what fivefold ministry is. Would you agree? You get what fivefold is. There's more to apostolic church than saying we believe in fivefold ministry. And that's what I want to shift into. We're going to talk about how an apostolic church actually operates. Okay? But we've got to get into this Admission, if you will, and understanding that the church is more than the weekend gathering. We have got to get out of the idea that the weekend gathering is the pinnacle or the goal. The fact of the matter is, if we're getting more participation because of an experience that we put more effort into on a weekend 
than anything else, we are not there yet. An apostolic church is not, we come to relentless only because there's good worship and good preaching. That's not an apostolic church. That is a normal, service-driven church. It's important, and it's a part of it. But that's not the pinnacle, and it's not the center point. We've got to shift to a place where everything we're about is equal playing. Okay? We've got to realize that all of our efforts are not for the Saturday Sunday. All of our efforts are about the people growing into maturity. When people ask, what is Relentless about? Why should I come to your church? The thing you should be describing is not how great the worship is or not how great the preaching is or not how the Holy Ghost shows up during the weekend worship experience or worship gathering, sorry. It should be people are maturing into their purpose and identity. That's the purpose of the apostolic church. If... if and I'm, I'm again to what is the system we need for maturity? Because that's the issue, right? That, is this making sense so far? Yeah? You, you want to say something? Okay. I thought you might, thought you might want to say something. We've got to figure out, it's all laid out in the Bible, but for some reason we've missed something. We've thought for years and years and years that the system that God wants for the church must be about come and focus on this. So we built the stage and the focus. And again, I am not discounting that this is important. But this should not be the focus. This should not be the highest point. But it is, even for us. And we have, we've got to call it out so we can shift. Okay? What is the system? How do we move to where this is part of the culture, not the goal? Right? I'm going to read Ephesians 4, but I'm going to read the totality of not just not, not, not just the fivefold part. Ephesians 4, verse 10. <clears throat> the same one who descended is also the one who ascended above the heights of heaven in order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. In order to what? To begin the restoration of everything. That excites me. The whole point that he came down and went back up was to begin the restoration of everything. Like, I don't know, that just, that just jacks me up. The whole point was to restore it all. And he has appointed some with the grace to be apostles, 
Some with the grace to be prophets, some with the grace to be evangelists, some with the grace to be pastors, some with the grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their, to do their own works of ministry. Not to do the works of ministry that relentless seems acceptable. To do their own works of ministry. That means that if you're called to do something outside of this house, we should also get behind that if it's holy and pleasing to the Lord. So like, like Stacy over here, who's usually right here every Wednesday, but we're just, she's with us in the spirit because she's going to be listening to this podcast. Amen? She does this thing called the tattoo meme or whatever it's called. She, she speaks to mothers. She's wrote, she wrote a book about um, uh, devotionals to mothers, all these things. She has never once asked, can Relentless support it? Can Relentless get behind it? Can this be a Relentless thing? But most churches in America, well, if it's not part of us, we ain't going to get behind it. The point of me being an apostolic leader is not to make her ministry about me. The point of me getting everything I get from God is to pour into her, making her successful in her own ministry. Okay? And that goes for all of us. Not about, well, you should really make that a part of our church. No, 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 no. If we understand that the church is not this organization, it's this organization equips the church. This apostolic organization equips the church. Okay? Their calling is to nurture and prepare all the believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. It's not enlarge the body based off of getting the whole city saved. Because what happens is you compromise everything to fill seats, right? It's, well, we can't offend this people group and we can't offend this, you know, the, this opinion and we, we got to have, you know, this party and that party and we can't say this and we can't say that and we don't want to lose these people so let's wear masks and we don't want to lose these people so let's not have services and we don't want to lose, like all this stuff, we, 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 because we want to... No, 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 that's not the system. Build up the people and what they're called to do in ministry, and when they're successful in what they're called to do, that's going to build up the body of Christ, and that means you may never see that fruit in this apostolic organization because the fruit is not about you. It's about the body of Christ that exists outside of you. And if you're doing that, God says, I'll take care of your every need. Which includes growing you as well. For the growth of them. Do y'all see how different that is from regular church? 
these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally, we will, and finally we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully develop in the abundance of Christ. Then our immaturity will end. Literally in Ephesians 4, it's laid out how to walk into full maturity as wheat among the tares. Don't be about yourself. I've given you gifts to equip everybody else. We will not be easily shaken by trouble. It's saying this is what immaturity look this is what maturity looks like. You won't get easily shaken by trouble. Think about churches right now in America. With COVID, with elections, with financial difficulty. You won't easily get shaken by trouble. You won't get led astray by novel, novel teachings. You won't get led astray by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. You want to know why everyone follows every false teaching? Because all they are is, I'm saved. And as long as that person mentions Jesus... I'll believe it. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ. Not a man. Not a man's vision. Christ. And lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. Every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all, not just to yourself. And these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body. We are built up and made perfect in love. In the apostolic church, the mandate is clear. The fivefold team is given to help the church to grow, which is centered around one mission. And I wrote this down. There is an influence of an apostle with a vision and a team around the apostle to grow the body to maturity so we can go and influence society for the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. There is an influence of an apostle with a vision and a team around the apostle to grow the body into full maturity so we can go and influence society for the kingdom of God. That's an apostolic church. Not partnering with society, influencing society. Big difference. The structure is a team working together so the whole body can grow and develop into full maturity. And there's too many churches with staff members who get it, but congregation members who don't. But thank God they signed the, the membership role. That's what 
the structure has become. Get the membership. Grow the, not grow the church. Grow, grow the, our form of church. Grow the membership. Grow our, grow our government structure. Right? And people get lost. People don't grow. Knowing, knowing who Jesus is is not enough. Because I, 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 I know who Muhammad is. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Muslims who know who Jesus is. But they don't know him like I do. Right? And there's so many people that have got lost in the structure of we're saved and we're in church. And they hear the same message every weekend. And, and that's become what church is. I come to church so I can get encouraged that I'm saved and that eventually I'll escape this horrible world. When Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and that you'll change the world and restore it to how I originally intended it. Like the church is preaching the wrong message, but it's become normal. So it's not surprising to me that it's taking relentless longer to grow. That's normal. That's why in three years, Jesus couldn't get past 12 loyal people. That's why the crowds that came and got healed betrayed him when they said, do y'all want the murderer to be crucified or do y'all want the guy who healed y'all and like provided wine at the party? Which one do y'all want to kill? Yeah, kill the wine provider. We want the spare the murderer, kill, kill the kill the. The provider of the bread and the wine and the healing and the resurrection stuff, that guy we don't want. It took him, like, in three years, only 12 followed him. But in America in 2020, successful churches, we've got to get thousands within our first year. That's not, the, that's not the structure. It's not the structure. So God showed me something. I know it's 7.15, but I, I, want, I want to keep going in this. Um, we might not, we're, we're going to get into some prayer tonight because there, there's something that pretty, pretty cool happened that I want to. But God showed me something about where we're at relentless right now. Is this okay? Acts 2, 42 through 47. <clears throat> One and a half years ago when we came here, what motivated the decision <clears throat> was we didn't have a lot of intimacy in the house. We had, we had a few close relationships, but on the whole... It seemed like we couldn't get the entire congregation, if you will, the family. We couldn't get it connected. So we did the whole decrease for increasing. Y'all remember that, obviously. So look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. <clears throat> Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion, coming together regularly for, regularly for prayer. 
a deep sense of, awe, of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. They shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts, tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. So you got this picture of people coming alive in Christ. Partly. They were starting to grow into maturity because they were forming a community. Meeting daily. Communion. Worship. Teaching. They were giving. They were sacrificial. They were seeing signs. They were seeing wonders. I believe in the past one and a half years, we've really started to walk into that very well. And we're going to continue to walk into that. I don't think we're having to intentionally necessarily come up with ways to do this because it started to naturally happen based off the intentionality of let's decrease. Everyone feels welcome now. Everyone feels family. Um, I, I've heard people tell me I'm falling in love with this house, that people feel welcome the moment they walk in, that the moment they walk in, they feel like family, um, uh, that, that people experience the presence of God here. All these things, right? I didn't hear that often before we did this. We're starting to see more um, visions and prophetic words and um, uh, um, even healings and signs and wonders. Do we have more to go into with that? Absolutely. But we have started to walk into that. Would you agree? But a lot of people stop there. But in about 11 chapters later, in Acts chapter 13, there's a shift from a community church to an apostolic church. You want to read it? It's just three verses. Acts 13, 1 through 3. <clears throat> Which is interesting because it's 11 chapters later. In the church at Antioch, there was a number of prophets and the teachers of the word. Interesting, there was a number of. You notice how well I've been talking about we're getting to that place where we want to raise up a number of? <laughs> Including Barnabas, Simeon from Niger. Make sure I pronounce that right. Lucius the Libyan. Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas and Saul. While they were worshiping as priests before the Lord in prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I have called Barnabas and Saul to do an important work for me. Now, release them to go and fulfill it. So after they fasted and prayed, they the church at Antioch, laid hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them off. A new dynamic was introduced to the church. 
many prophets, many leaders, a community was formed, daily fellowship, signs and wonders, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, now I want to send two from your house to go do ministry apart from your house. And I want you to lay hands on them. And you, church at Antioch, people who we may never hear from again in the Bible, you are going to lay, lay hands and send Saul. Paul, you, church, the ones that we don't really hear a lot about, you are going to send Paul, who's going to write half the New Testament. And then Paul takes that model, and that's what he uses to plant all the churches. And you know where Paul goes back to to get filled up? And prayed for when he gets done? Church at Antioch. Do you see the shift? The shift to an apostolic center is we get obsessed with sending people into their purpose rather than conforming people to an idea of what their purpose should be. We resource their calling, we equip them for their calling. And we raise them up instead of just throwing them in. Let me say that again. <laughs> we raise them up instead of throwing them in. And what I mean by that, <clears throat> and hear me clearly, and this is not a jab toward anyone. This is just something that God put, on, put in my heart because I've been guilty of this. Too often times God gives us a good word like, you're a worship leader. You're a prophet. You're going to go into deliverance ministry. You're a pastor. And what we'll do is we'll put them in a position instead of taking them through months or even years of raising them up so they're qualified to walk in it successfully. And instead of doing that, we put them in a position because we need it for our benefit to grow our thing. And then before you know it, they're burnt out because they're not qualified and you just rob them of their destiny. So one thing that we need to do as an apostolic house, an apostolic church, is just because you see a gift in someone doesn't mean it's time to speak into it. And if you do, it doesn't mean it's time to put them in a position. We've got to raise them up into it. Like, like, for instance, Emily, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't necessarily know all that God has for your life. Maybe I know something that you don't, but that, that God's shown me. Maybe you know something that God's shown you that you haven't shared with me. There's a lot of scenarios. But let's say that God showed me something about you that I haven't shared, but all I've done is I want you to manage the host team. Because for all you know, God may have told me step 10 and as, a, as an apostolic leader, I'm saying, I want to see how you do with step one because I'm preparing you. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? Or like if we have a, a singer and we see worship leader 
we, we, and this is not for anyone in here. I'm talking about new, like new people. But like, <laughs> let's say we have someone new come in, right? And maybe, maybe they're meant to be the next worship leader of the house, right? Maybe they're meant to be um, someone that takes us to another level. That doesn't mean we throw them in a position as a leader. It's let's get them to start singing and see how they su- how someone that may be more talented than anyone on the stage can submit to talent beneath them. Same thing with a preacher. Our vision is to have more teachers, right? What if God sends someone that makes me look stupid? But we got to see if they'll submit to someone who is not as, as gifted as they are, right? I don't know really where to go from there, but <laughs> um, full maturity. We're going to grow with a lot of different stuff. The goal is to grow into mature sons and daughters. It's going to be a slow pace, but let's embrace it together, right? We're going to get stuff wrong, but let's, let, let, let's embrace that together. I'm going to get stuff wrong. Don't Don't leave me talk to me right I'm not so prideful to to say you need to submit to the authority of this house well if if we are submitting to the authority of this house then that means I've got to submit to the authority of this house (laughs) right it's we're all maturing into bright shining light and it's more than just, I believe in God. For some reason, you know, last weekend we had a total of about 25 visitors. And they're all from community churches and half of them are from Compassion. And there were prophetic words given out earlier this year that the, the mega church is about to crumble. And, you know, half of their stories were um, COVID shut us down. And when we went back, we realized how how little we were being fed. But then at the same time, there's also people in that house that still need what that church is bringing. There's there's other, you can go ahead and come up, Jacob. There's other people who are coming here that I probably shouldn't bust them out, but there was a huge um, family who they were pl- trying to plant a church, and they realized that the leadership they were trying to plant under may not have had the best theology, and they've been looking, they've been looking and searching for a house that had biblical theology, and they said they were searching, they couldn't find it, searching, couldn't find it, and one day they just stumbled on this place called Relentless, which is the story of everyone. They just stumbled, and they listened to a few messages, and when. And about kingdom and authority, and they've been coming. The people that God's bringing here, I'm not sure if these people are going to stay, because y'all know how that works. But the people that God's bringing here, I'm telling you, it's very intentional. It's not just people who are filling up seats so that we can have a good atmosphere and crowd. There's an intentional thing happening. it's It's good. It's good. I'm excited about that. 
So that, that's my introduction to going into the apostolic church. Um, <clears throat> we got about half an hour, and I do want to pray. This is not public knowledge, but I got some information today that's pretty cool. Um, Dutch Sheets, who you know, you know, I'm being aligned with. Um, he was invited <clears throat> tomorrow. He's going to the Oval Office um, to pray over the presidency. So, um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So we need to pray into that for favor. And uh, so let's just take that next half hour. I don't want to just stay there because <clears throat> there's more to pray into than just the presidency of our nation. But uh, I'm going to start off there. And uh, if God leads you into something, this microphone's open tonight. Whatever you want to pray into, whether it be our nation or this house, walking into what we talked about tonight, whatever it is, um, let's just come into a posture of prayer and worship tonight. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in here tonight. I may just close out with a national prayer. You know, we've been, um, yeah, I got my glasses. I got the right glasses on. <laughs> I'm getting old. I need two pairs of glasses. But um, we've recently in the church, in not just our church, Relentless, but you hear a sound going out. You hear a word going out about the dry bones, right? Everybody's been prophesying about the dry bones coming alive. Everybody's been prophesying about the wind coming and the spirit um, coming. But the Lord showed me something this morning. And um, if you go back to Ezekiel 37, I almost brought two sticks. But this is um, what he showed me. He said, Okay, so it's talking about prophesying to the breath, prophesying to the spirit, prophesying to the bones. And then in verse 14, let's see. I'm going to start there. And I shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. And then you shall know, understand, and realize that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. The word of the Lord came again to me saying, I think this is the second part that we don't ever, it's like we read over it, but I feel like it's so where we're at right now. Son of man, take a stick and write on it for Judah and the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim and all the house of Israel, his companions. And join them together into one stick that they may become one in your hand. And I thought about the Democrats and the Republicans. There's two kingdoms that's under one kingdom. There's two governments that are trying to rule. Amen. Do we not see that in our country? We've been prophesying to the bones, the, length, the breath, and the spirit. And it was like the Lord said, you've got the left and the right. You've got the Democrats. You've got the Republicans. He says, but take a stick and write. And I, So we're going to pretend. Democrats. Well, Republicans are right there. <laughs> Democrats. Okay. We're going to put them together. 
and join them together into one stick that they may become one in your hand. And when your people say to you, will you not show us what you mean by these? Say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim and the tribes of Israel, his associates. And I will join with it the stick of Judah and make them one stick and they shall be one in my hand. Now, whose hands are they going into? Not their own. They're going into the Lord's hands. When the, sticks, when the sticks on which you write shall be in your hand before their eyes, then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the nations to which they have gone, and I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. Who's that king? Jesus. Amen. And they shall no longer be two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore. How many of y'all agree with that? Let's agree with that. Amen. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, their detestable things, or with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all of their dwelling places and from all their backsliding in which they have sinned, and I will cleanse them so they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, which he's a foreshadow of Jesus, and they shall... All have one shepherd, and they shall also walk in my ordinance and heed my statutes to do them. And they shall dwell in the land which your fathers dwelt that I gave to my servant Jacob. And they shall dwell there, and their children and their children's children forever. My servant David shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will give them blessings and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forever. My tabernacle or dwelling place also shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then the nations shall know and understand and realize that I, the Lord, do set apart and consecrate Israel or America for holy use when my sanctuary shall be in their midst forevermore. When the church is established, when the bride is established, when we come, when we come together, two nations, because that's what our nation is essentially trying to do. It's trying to divide itself and have two rules. Each one's trying to rule. And, the, and I just felt like it was very prophetic. You, you know, like, here we've been prophesying this. We've been prophesying this. Well, how about let's prophesy this? Amen. And um, when I was praying this morning, um, after I saw that, I was praying. And, and you might be able to say them all. I, don't, I can't say them all off the top of my head, Kyle. But um, I was thinking about... Oh, well, actually, I started praying, and then I kind of felt like I was, oh, I'm hitting it, you know, like I'm getting in the spirit, you know, and, um, oh, Jesus, but um, the Lord led me to pray that the mountains would melt like wax before him, so the seven mountains that are the entertainment industry, the, I don't know them all, but the religious 
the religious, you know, all the mountains. And I, the Lord just had me start prophesying to those mountains and commanding those mountains to, to melt like wax before the Lord so that it, there would be no space between him and his people and him and the people that he wants to rescue. Amen. And so uh, you might be able to speak to those seven, what those, to identify what those are. I, I was going to have, I was going to look them up, but anyways, I felt like that was a very, when I was praying this morning, I felt like that was a very prophetic thing that the Lord was leading me into. So if you guys will just agree with me, um, cause one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. And I was just like, Lord, who do I share this with, you know? But here you are. So, amen. If we all will come together, you know, I'm like, we all have a little bitty tiny part, you know. So, Father, uh, while Kyle's looking that up, we just, in the spirit, we come in agreement with your word, Lord, that our nation would no longer be two sets of sects of people trying to rule with their own agenda, God, but that we would come together, just like this says in Ezekiel 37, that we would come together as one nation in your hands, Lord, under your government, under, in your, with your kingdom in mind, Lord God, that we would even, you know, I teased and I said the right the Republicans on the right hand. But Lord, the reality is they don't have it completely right. We none do. Only you do, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray right now with all of these people coming into agreement with me that we would become one nation under God again, that we would walk in paths of righteousness again, that we would desire paths of righteousness again, Lord. And, and just like Pastor Kyle was saying, that we would become like the sun, the light of the sun. And when he said that, I, I, I imagined him and I coming together, his light and my light coming together, making a bigger light. His light and my light and Angela's light coming together and making a bigger light. And that's what the church is for, that we would bring them in, that our light would shine and that our light would get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until all they see is light. And so, Father, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would begin to make us shine like the sun, the sun that you are, the light that you are. And Father, I, I just prophesy to the mountains that stand between you and your kingdom being established. I, I, I prophesy to the mountains that stand between you and um, this sanctuary, this sanctuary that it talks about being set in the midst of them. And I command those mountains. I speak to those mountains as your word tells me to do. And I command them to melt like wax before you, Lord. That your sanctuary could be established. That, you're, that you could dwell among a people, Lord God. That we would be set apart yet again. That we would be consecrated and holy yet again for you, Lord, that our hearts would be towards you, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I speak to, uh, or I'm going to give this to Kyle, that he can speak to every mountain. 
you can speak to the mountain. In the name of Jesus, I speak to the mountain of family, Lord. That the family, the families of this nation will just submit to you, Lord. That it will no longer be an exaltation of self. That it will no longer be families united in anything but under your headship, Lord. That the, the mountain of the family will be under your guidance, Lord. That Holy Spirit, you will just invade households right now. That, that, that there will be an honoring of the, 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 the husband and the, 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 the father, Lord. That fathers will be honored again. That mothers will be honored. That the role of the children will come under submission to the mother and the father. That homes will be restored, Lord. That, that the mountain of the family will come up under submission to you, God. That it will no longer be a barrier, Lord. That it will be... Um, under uh, under the influence of you, God, that the mountain of religion, that there will no longer be um, a system to, to to be to be made right, God. That that there, that we would understand that there is only one way to be made right, and that is through Your grace, Jesus. It's through Your blood. It's through Your body, Lord. That is the sacrifice of Your Son, Father. And that there is no other God. There is no choice of another God. There there is no that there 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 is no freedom to choose a God, Lord. That we that there that there is a freedom to choose You. That You are the only God. That there is no other. God that is real. You are the only true God. So I just speak to that mountain of religion, that religion would fall and that you would be the, 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 the one that we all recognize as God, Lord. That this nation would be one nation under you, God. Yahweh, Elohim, Lord, you are the one true God. Lord, I speak to the mountain of business, the economy, the finance, that, that we would come up under uh, your economy, the kingdom economy, Lord. I pray that we would start to honor your way, Lord, that even um, the, 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 the church and the people of God and America would come up under your ways, Lord, that we would become givers, Lord, that we would not become a nation under debt, Lord, that we would submit everything to you and let you have your way under your direction, Lord, that we would uh, be under your influence, God. I speak to the mountain of politics, that we would no longer be under our agenda of Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative or whatever, God, that we would mend it all together and come up as a unified nation under you, God, that no matter what we stand for, we would submit everything we stand for under you and say, God, have your way. We would sacrifice our agendas. We would sacrifice our campaigns and that, that, that we would be under your campaign, God, that we would be under the kingdom that is you, Lord, even in a democracy that we would vote for you, that we would vote for your way, that we would sacrifice our way and embrace your way, God. I speak to the mountain of education, Lord, that you would, that prayer would become back in schools, Lord, that you would be exalted back in schools, that there would be no longer any choice of gender, Lord, that there would, that we would honor your way, that we would honor your choice, that we would honor you, Lord, that authority would be put back in the schools, God, that, that the teachers would be honored, Lord, that authority would be honored, that you would be honored, God, that your way would be taught, that truth would be taught. There would be no spin, Lord. There would be no uh, agenda, God, that you would influence education, Lord. God, I speak to the not in the media and communication that there would be no um, wrong influence, that there would be no miscommunication, there would be no spin media, Lord, there would be no false agenda, that 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 there would be a a a, a true a truancy, Lord, that there would be a 
uh, a transparency, God, that we would see truth, that we, we would not see a false report, God, that we would just see what's really going on so we can pray into what's going on, Lord, that it would just submit to you, Lord, that you would use it for your glory, God. I speak to the mountain of the arts, the entertainment industry, the celebration and the sports, God, that it will be honoring to you, that it would not be used as an exaltation or glorification to self, God, but that every artist, every performer, every filmmaker, every writer, every producer, every artist, God, would submit their talent and let it glorify you in every way, that there wouldn't even be a way to glorify self or even have an ability to choose secular versus anything else, God, that there, that the, the word secular or carnal would be done away with because the only thing to be glorified would be you, God. So let these seven mountains, God, that we just spoke right now, Lord, just melt away that the only thing we would see is you, Lord. Yes, thank you, Jesus. How I was reading the parable of the, the weeds and the wheat, I started scribbling some notes down, and it just kind of has this picture in my head that I can't get out. And I just see like this field, this big field, and I see a farmer just sprinkling the seeds all throughout the field, and then I see all the wheat just pop up. And then what I wrote was that whenever the wheat is mature and it's ready to be harvested, does it just want to sit there and just look pretty in the field, or does it want to be harvested and actually be put out into the world to be made into the bread, be made into the grain, be made into the oats. And I feel like that was kind of just speaking to me on a spiritual level. It's like in the church, you know, we, we plant ourselves into a home, into a home base. And what is the purpose of us being here? Is it to, to be here to look pretty and to sit in a pew or is it, or in a chair, <laughs> or is it to actually go out and make something of ourselves that God has put into us? And, but at the same time, on the other hand, I feel like there's some wheat that has to stay in the field to be able to replant because, you know, the seeds are in the wheat and sometimes those seeds fall when the wind blows and it falls back into the ground so it can grow more and grow more. But then if you have a whole field that's full of wheat and it's not being harvested and it overgrows and then it just dies because it has no more room to grow and there's no oxygen getting down into the soil to feed itself and that's just, that's just been playing in my mind since you started talking about that earlier tonight and I can't get it out and it's like I just feel like I just want to pray into that as, as a house it's, so I'm just going to pray because I can't form words <laughs> dear God I just I just thank you so much for this house and I thank you for the leadership that you have placed here Lord God I just pray right now that you just you just wake up a spirit inside each and every one of us begin to just wake up a, the purpose that you have for us in our lives, God. Lord, whatever our purpose is for you, whatever your will for us individually and corporately as a house, God, that you just begin to reveal that to us and that way we can begin to walk into your purpose. And I pray that you give us each grace, not only for ourselves when we fall and when we fail, but grace for each other to comfort each other whenever we mess up but also give us the same grace to, to see people off and to give them a loving goodbye as we send them out to do your work wherever it is that they go, Lord, whether it be up the street or around the world, God. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for 
all the revelations that have been going on for all of the visions and all the prophesying and just everything that you're doing in this house, God. And we just, we want more. We want more of it, God. And I just pray that you just help us, lead us in the right direction, lead us in the way that we need to go and just make that known to us. Help us to, in, in our daily walk with you, not just on the weekend experience, not just on the weekend gathering, but on our daily walk with you, that you will begin to reveal to us exactly what it is that your purpose for our individual and our corporate lives here at this house at Relentless. Amen. When she was describing the wheat in the fields, I want you to imagine like wheat in the field. You know how it it stays still when it grows. What causes it to move? I'm talking about wind blowing, right? <clears throat> well, in the scripture, <clears throat> in Genesis, it talks about the Holy Spirit in the beginning, and it says, it, it describes the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, and the word for the Spirit was ruach, and you know what the word ruach means? <sighs> Breath or wind. And that the Father breathed breath into us, which was what? Life. And what, what I was just um, seeing and, and picturing and hearing was that the thing that gives the wheat life is the wind blowing. And I just felt like God was saying we should just speak out loud to let the wind blow in the life of this church. Let the wind blow. Can we just speak that out loud together? Let the wind blow. Like, Holy Spirit, just blow through this church. Let the wind blow. Let the wind blow. <clears throat> Let the wind blow. Holy Spirit, just move. Move in the life of this house. Let the life of this house not be off of our own accord, but be moved where you want us to move. Let us go to the left when you want us to go to the left. We'll move to the right when you want us to go to the right. Go forward and backwards and diagonals. and Wherever you want us to go, we just want to move where you want us to move, Lord. Move us where you want us to move us, Lord. No mountain separating us from your wind. No distractions. No barriers from your wind. No agendas. No plans. Just your wind moving. Holy Spirit, just move. <sighs> Can we just do that together prophetically? Just blow together on three just as a prophetic act that God you're just going to blow your Holy Spirit through this church like never before that we're going to move where you want us to go on three one two three <sighs> Lord just do what you want to do you know there's um, a theme going through tonight um, and the Lord's given us opportunities to be that breath of life into our community in various places when, where our culture is telling us to rebel against certain things that we as a church are supposed to breathe life into. And, um, Crystal's not here tonight, and she started doing that again with the, the police officers and the police stations all throughout our community. 
And this is an opportunity for us to breathe life into an area that our culture wants to rebel against. There's all those, those opportunities all around us, everywhere. <laughs> you know, it, we as women, we're nurturing. That's our nature. God's instilled that within us. And it's great that we can go to these places and speak to these men and women in uniform who literally lay down their lives for you every day. They never know what they're going to walk into to a culture of people that want to rebel against them. We need the men also to come speak life into them, to breathe the life of Christ, to breathe God's breath literally into their that culture. And if it's not there, there's places all around you in your everyday walk, in your very homes, that God has called us to breathe that life into as well, that breath, the same one that he breathed into you. And I just felt compelled to just because of that realization is not just an extra ministry when he's talking about us going and backing these ministries that um, people have called various ones within our our, um, our church to do we have that opportunity to do that to do exactly what he's talked about tonight and yes it can start right here just imagine if the whole church caught on to that idea all around the world all across the United States. So I just ask that you pray into that. Where is that spot that God called you to for such a time as this? I'm sitting there, uh, I always battle with myself and do talk that I don't like to. Um, but when she started talking about nurturing that, I knew God was there. God had you come up there so I wouldn't speak today. Um, I was sitting there chewing on a lot of stuff that Pastor Kyle was talking about. When he started talking about, you know, the the religious people of the time pretty well chose a killer over the Messiah. It's no different than what we see going on right now. Um, you know what I mean? The majority of the people we see that you, you say Democrat, most of these people reside in church every week. We got brothers and sisters that's on that on the left side that are so deceived because they, it's become a racial thing. And all week long, I, I've been kind of sharing with different ones. I, I, I got a black guy that works in there, and we kind of talk. And I don't usually get too involved, but I, I start. I've really started trying to begin to open people's eyes just to really, they have to see it for themselves. And, um, you know, to go back to the thing where you're talking about where the religious people put Jesus on the cross, where the whole thing was is his whole purpose was to go there. The tool was religion that helped get him there. If you said, yeah, I was sitting there chewing, sitting there thinking like, oh man, you know what I mean? The catalyst was religion same thing we have going on right now religion is beginning to die what 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 did it do religion pushed jesus to the cross to do what 
to push the apostolic people into hiding. <laughs> push them into hiding to find their purpose. I, I, I was just sitting there thinking, like, God, you know what I mean? The thing, you know I mean, it was meant to be. You know what I mean? And no matter what, you say, oh, he chose a killer over him. Well, he was supposed to go there. Judas was supposed to deceive him. What if Judas wouldn't have hung himself? What miracles would he have done as one of the disciples? Everybody likes to talk about where he failed. But um, the thing that I begin to do when you begin talking about that, when we're talking about the apostolic housing, you begin trying to explain to people the purpose of, of that. It's no different than you being a parent begin to raise your kids, there's a responsibility to see them be whatever it is they were raised up to be. That, To me, that's the clearest picture. That's the responsibility of the apostolic house. Is to when you see that the seed from, from the day you were conceived or, you, or God knitted you in your mother's womb, there was potential laid inside every one of them. That's the thing we have to see. We don't have to see what's on the outside. We see that seed that's the apostolic responsibility to begin to take them and raise them up and to where it begins to, it produces to whatever, we, we water it, we tend to it, and we send it out. That's exactly what he was saying. You know, we, we talked about, what did you say? It, 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 the parables were the seeds, right? Same thing in the wheats and the tares. You know, I mean, you can say, oh, well, the seed, yeah, the, the people. The tares could have been religion. You know what I mean? And that's what, that's the majority of us, that's what we fought in the church. We can't never find a purpose because number one, you go into a house and the leader's scared to death because what's inside you is going to take your job. Instead of that person just putting a demand on it and producing whatever that is. And to me, that I felt like that the whole time I'm chewing on, I'm like, man, that's, if, if it's, we got to know that's, how clear it has to be for this house to know when a person comes in and you see that they ain't got it all together but there's something in them our job is to help cultivate that to where they feel safe enough to where that thing can come alive and then they can begin to go into their purpose if it's somebody that's a worship leader I see, see the dude I'm telling you he's been eating me up since I come on, on Sundays the guy to sit back here to oversee everybody in here the dude's a worship leader I keep asking Kyle, Kyle, what about the dude back here? See, that to me, that's what it's all about. You know, that they, if we have a whole house full of worshipers, send them out, you know. But I, I, I think we definitely got to pray into that. And um, But it needs, to be, it, it needs to be that simple and that clear. It's not nothing to be scared of because we, we've seen perverted versions to where men, they, it's, it's a thing of control. It's not that. It's a house of, of fathers and mothers that see the potential and want to raise up people to be mature to do whatever it is. And then you take pride in it and you say, man, you see my son? You see, you know what I mean? You hear great work. Oh, they went over there and there was 3,000 saved. What he say? He said they end up coming back to Antioch, you know. But I'm I'm gonna pray into that, and you know, I mean, it, it, I just hope that eyes are open. To me, I, I just kept chewing. I kept thinking, like, oh man, you know, I mean, it's, it's so clear, you know. But not everybody sees it, 
Father God, we just um, we just thank you for opening our eyes. God, I just pray that you just begin to work on the hearts of the people of this house, God. God, I just pray that as you continue to send those ones, that God will see every bit of potential that's been placed inside them that you've placed there from the beginning of time. God, I just pray that you give us a supernatural ability to do that right now. God, I pray that you begin to put labor pains in each person in here tonight to where they just begin to have an urge to go to people, to want to father them, to mother them, God. God, I just pray that that fruit begin to be produced in this house beyond our own ability. God, I just pray that you just begin to multiply it right now. God, I pray that favor begins to fall on this house even, even more just so you can just get all the praise and the glory, God. God, I just pray that you give us favor with, with the governmental headship of this region. God, I pray that, that governors... I pray for mayors. I pray for uh, senators. I pray for those of, of this region. I pray for the, the governor of this state, God. God, we just speak a, govern, a governmental authority from this region over that, over that area, God. God, protect them. God, place people around them that, that has their back, God. God, that just every, every decision made is because are the deciding factor, God. God, I just pray for, I pray for the president. I pray for Donald Trump, God. God, I pray that if there is, if your will is for him to be in the house, then God, I pray you begin to open every, every door that has been shut through darkness, God, that it has to flee right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you just begin to unravel the darkness. God, I pray that you just begin to shine your light into Washington, D.C., God. God, I just pray that you just begin to take your church and put it into hiding, God. God, if it takes that, then God, then this is the time for it, God. God, begin to give your church purpose and that, that it will begin to get aligned with what you want for this day, God. God, I come against racism right now. The deception that has been laid out by the enemy, God, we remove it and we rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. God, we we decree and we declare peace and love over all people, God. God, we just pray that that, that, you're, that you get the glory in all this, God. God, we just love you and we just thank you.